This is Pastor Matt Harmless, and this is sermon number 39 from the Gospel according to Luke. This sermon was originally preached on October the 3rd, 2021. Luke chapter 7. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for this day, and I thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, I know that there's not a soul in this room that in and of ourselves deserves the grace that you give. Lord, I think about that as I preach this morning. Lord, I'm not up here of my own merit, but resting entirely on yours, and I thank you for that. Lord, I pray now that you would just bless by your grace the words that are spoken today, that they would be from you and not of us. In your name I pray, amen. We were talking this morning in Sunday school, I thought it was interesting, one of the things that came up today was talking about um, when you've shared the gospel and you want to be able to answer all the questions or say it, present it in just the right way or, 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 or just, you've had those people, and let me ask you, have you had that person in your life where you're like, I, I've shared the gospel, I've told them the truth, and it, they're just not believing it? It feels like they're stiff-arming it sometimes. Because you've, especially if you've, you feel like you've, everything that they've brought, you're like, Here, here's something reasonable. Or sometimes you have somebody that knows the truth. It's not a matter of needing questions answered. They know the truth. They just have rejected it. And when you talk to them about it, just at that moment, and maybe you even feel that, just that moment you're talking to them, and they almost, you ever had that where they almost, it almost feels like they're getting ready to go, all right. But then instead of doing that, what do they do? Uh, I'll talk to you next week. Do <laughs> you remember a time when even maybe you yourself heard the gospel, you knew the gospel, and you had that reaction to it? I want you to keep that in mind. I'm going to come back to that idea at the end here. We're in Luke chapter 7. We're going to jump into verse 18. Uh, verses 18 through 23, I think, is what we covered last week. And so I want to read through it again just to get the context of what's going on. Uh, there's some disciples of John. Oh, there we go. The disciples of John. And they've reported all the things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, uh, sent them to the Lord saying, Are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And remember, where's John at? In jail, in prison, right? Um, and then he, so his disciples do that. When the men had come to him, come to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? Are you the one? And then we, last week we listened and watched Jesus' answer. Verse 21, we watch. That's what they would have done. In that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. So the disciples of John watched this part of the answer, evidence being presented fulfilling scripture, and then he mentions it to them. Uh, he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me, who does not stumble over what they end up getting in the person of Christ. And let me ask you, what's the one thing that John may have wished he would have heard? The, the, the bunch of Old Testament Isaiah prophecies listed right there, what was the one that he probably was hoping to hear that he didn't? The captives have been set free, and Jesus specifically does not mention 
that particular one. But he does tell John, blessed is the one who does not, does not stumble over me. Now, unless we get the wrong idea about John and his questions, Jesus, who I think had a crowd around him at this time, turns to the crowd. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. So then he turns to the crowds talking about John. And he asks them some questions. Now I'm going to tell you, when I ask these questions, it's, it's not, it's, it's hard to describe. There's a little bit of almost sarcasm in Jesus' questions, but it's not that way. I have a hard time doing that because I tend to go into the sarcastic way. And so I'm going to try to say it in a different way, but I'm going to tell you right now, it may sound a little sarcastic. That's, that's me, not Jesus. Okay? I'm trying. Jesus asked this question. So he turns around, looks at all the people. Now, they would have known John, so keep this in mind. They would have known John the Baptist. He was not an unknown figure. And so he goes, hey, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? When you went out to see John, what did you go out to see? Come on, people, don't look at the baby. The whole group, this whole side was not listening to a thing I said. They were all going, Good night. That, what did I just say? Did you even hear me? No, you didn't. Good night. You guys are as bad. Uh, you guys get it from me, honestly. I can't say. All right. Let's say it. Let's refocus, people. Babies are cute. We know it. <sighs> I'll try. All right. Here we go. Jesus says, He's talking to the crowds about John, and the first question he asks is, what, what, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? That's where John was at. What did you go out to see? What was it? And he asks his first little question. A reed shaken by the wind? Now, this could be, some people read this, and I've always thought of this as possibly talking, describing John. Did you go out to see a guy that was just weak and frail? Um, that's possible. It, this could also just be Jesus was saying, "Did you? What you go out to in the wilderness to see? Did you? Were you going out there for the scenery? Were you going out there for the the ambiance of the reeds blowing in the wind to just get away? Was that what you went out there for? What's the obvious answer for the people that had gone out to see John? What's the obvious answer here? No, that's not what we went out to see. Okay. What then did you go out to see? He says. What did you go out to the wilderness to see? wasn't that. How about a man dressed in soft clothing? Did you go out there because, because the guy was just sharp, top-notch, dressed up, looking good? Is that what it was? What's going to be the obvious answer to this question? No, that's not no. I mean, and everybody would have known that. They would have been sitting there going, uh, no, we, we, we know who he is. We know his reputation. Well, what was John known for looking like, how he was dressed? Was it a little bit crazy, rough, wild. What was, his, what was his food? Locusts, wild honey. I mean, this guy, rough, right? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury in king's court. So obviously you didn't go out to see that, did you? So the answer is here to these first two questions, no. The third question he then asks is this. What, what then did you go out to see? What was it you were going out to see when you wanted to go out and see John? I mean, he was popular, 
well-known, well-loved. People were going from all over the country to hear this guy speak. And we know what kinds of things did he say to people when they... I know Edgewood people know this one. What kinds of things was he saying to people when they got out there? You brood of vipers. Right? Who told you? What would you go out to see, then he says? A prophet? Now, what's the obvious answer to this one, then? Yeah. Yeah, we were wanting to see a... We were going out there because we believed this guy was speaking God to us. Prophet? Yes. And then he says, and I'm going to tell you what, right now, and more than that. Okay? Well, I just got a little chilled. Think about that. Just more than that. I mean, you, yeah, you went out to see a prophet. And I just imagine these people... I mean, they grew up hearing those stories of old of the prophets, Elijah, Elisha, Moses, these prophets of old, and just wanting to see something like that. It had been hundreds of years since anything like that had come. And then John shows up on the scene out in the wilderness preaching. And they, want to get, they don't care how rude he is to them and the things he says. When, it, when they say it, they're like, he's right. He's right, and I needed to hear that. People are flocking to him. More than a prophet, I tell you. And then Jesus shares a quote. He says this. He says, this is he of whom it is written. Behold, and he's quoting, this is Malachi 3.1. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. And they knew to some extent that prophecy, and I'm going to get into some of this for just a minute, that prophecy had something to do with the forerunner to the Messiah. They, they didn't understand all the ins and outs of it, but they knew there was something about this that was speaking of the one who is to come. And so Jesus confirms it. All those prophets of old, they saw from a distance, but then there's going to be one prophet that comes along that's the, the last of this, the OG group, right? And here they are. Here's the last, and he, he's here. But now I want to show you something. Let's look at Let's put on your thinking caps. Okay, I'm going to pause. Everybody, go ahead. Look at the baby. Go ahead. Some of you, she was like, I'm going to look. Focus. Don't look at the baby. Moms are all the same. Um, all right, so uh, now tell me. See if you can fit. Let's find what's the same. What's the same, kids, and what's different? All right? What's the same and what's different? Okay, so here's the quote. Jesus said, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Here's Malachi. Behold, I send my messenger. Well, that's the same, right? Behold, I send my messenger. That's good, right? No difference yet. Send my messenger. Uh, and he will, wait a minute. Something's different here. Behold, I send my messenger before your face. Down here it says, behold, I send my messenger. And, and it jumps right into the and he will. So what's, what's, what's different? Come on. Be, before you, behold, you know, before your face, right? So there's something else thrown in here. Um, who will prepare your way before you. And he will prepare the way before me. Is there a pronoun change there? Interesting, right? Okay. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you something that what Jesus was doing, this actually is an, a great new piece of information. What Jesus was doing, the way he quoted this, was also hearkening back to another passage. And I think that rabbis, even from this time, understood that this quote from Malachi, right at the end, was also hearkening back to something near the beginning. Exodus 23. Notice Exodus 23. Look and see if you see some of the some of the things from the quote may have come from here. Do you see this? Notice 
Now, it says, I sent an angel instead of messenger, but if you know anything about what angels are, they're just messengers. It's just another word for messenger. Behold, I sent an angel. Notice, before your fate, before you, there's that before you pops in early, just like it does down there. Okay? To guard, oop, wrong button. To guard you on the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. So that more of the pronouns are set up from this one compared to the Malachi one. Okay? Now, it took some scratching of the head to really put this together in my mind, and it took some really smart commentary writers to help me understand. But I'm going to put it, I'm going to put it simplest, simplest way possible. Luke, writing this, Jesus saying it, wants you to see something that's in this Malachi passage that's also in this Exodus passage. That that messenger to come, not only is it preparing the way for the Lord who is to come, there's also something else about that. Because if you go back to this Exodus passage, that messenger that's leading, you made it, if you know anything about the children of Israel, as they were going through the wilderness, what was leading them in the day? Uh, what was a pillar of what? Cloud. And at night, it's a pillar of fire, right? Leading them. And, and, to, and to follow that was, was safety. To leave that and to not follow that was what? Judgment. Follow safety. And so this messenger that was coming and paving the way for the Messiah was also like that pillar saying, this is the way and there's safety here. And if you don't follow this, judgment. Keep that in mind. This way, this messenger is plowing a path. And there's two kinds of people. The ones that follow it and the ones who reject it. Now, back to our story. Keep that thought there. Don't lose it. I tell you, Jesus says next, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Now, this seems odd, but you have to understand what Jesus is saying here. It's not that John in and of himself is of himself great. But if you lined up all the prophets, he holds the chief place of privilege of all those prophets. Because Isaiah, remember last week we were talking about Isaiah looking ahead and he's seeing some things of the Messiah and he's, he's not getting a clear picture. But he sees some things. You go back, you see Elijah, you see Moses going away, you see all these People, in fact, I, I love even going back to Abraham. It says he looked ahead in the book of Hebrews. It says he looked ahead and he was seeing it as if it was a di there's a far country. There's something way out there. But as they're going through time, these prophets are getting closer. And then the very last one, who when he shows up and he's prophesying, he's doing this Old Testament prophet kind of stuff. He's the one that gets to do what? He's prophesying. One's coming, one's coming, one's coming. Then all of a sudden, what's he do one day? And there he is. <laughs> he's right there. Did any of the other prophets get to do that? No. What a great piece of privilege and honor. But Jesus says something right here. What he, what, you know what he's saying here? He's not talking about the greatness of individuals. He, what he's saying is this. John, as great as this privilege is, now we're in this time. This kingdom has now come. We're living in an era where that Messiah, we're not waiting for him to come and confused about what it is. We look back, we know what he did. He came. That king came and, and lived on this earth, this, this perfectly righteous life, fulfilled 
all of the law that nobody else could do. Everybody came up short. David didn't make it. This guy didn't make it. This All the way through. Everybody missed it. But then Jesus comes and he does it. And then what does he do? He dies on the cross for our sin. And us in this kingdom, the, the most worthless, pitiful, ridiculous person that just goes, Jesus is my savior. The least in the kingdom. That's greater than anything that you had before that was looking ahead. Now that doesn't mean that John's left out of the kingdom. But the place he held in history was the greatest moment of this prophetic line leading up. But now anybody, that, that's all of you. It doesn't matter. The least in the kingdom because of this good news of the gospel is greater than he. Now, when you hear that and you understand that, okay, I want to ask you, was there anybody that had just a little bit of you inside that wanted to go, yeah! <laughs> right? Because, and I, I can say that because I know here, we're, we're not all the way there yet, but there's a lot of us I know that we go, I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner, I'm a great sinner, I know I am. We still put on our, our Sunday good-looking best, happy face. But I know that if you're here today, you know you're a sinner. And when you start to get that, you just go, God is good. If, if, all the time. And if, I would, if anything depended on me, I'd blow it. I would blow it. And that's exactly what happens here when all the people heard this. I love it says, and the tax collectors. <laughs> you think all the people would have covered everybody. But all the people heard this. And, the, and, the, and them, the tax collectors. The worst of the worst. The worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. Not the best of the best of the best, but the worst of the worst of the worst. Heard it, and what do they do? They declare God just because these are the ones that had gone out to see John and they've been following that pillar of fire and that cloud. They went out there and when John said, you brood of vipers, they're like, uh-huh, that's us. <laughs> and they hear this and they declare God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But not everyone does that. The Pharisees, lawyers, the best of the best of the best, the ones that would have looked awesome during worship time, the ones that had their act completely together, the ones that as far as you knew didn't have any skeletons in their closet, from your perspective anyway, those and ultimately, what did they do? They rejected the purpose of God for themselves because they saw the cloud, they saw the pillar of fire, and they said, no, thank you. I'm going to go my way. Now, let's go back to the beginning. You ever have somebody just right there at that moment? You just, you, you, 
answered the questions. You've brought it all around. You're like, there we are. <laughs> this is the gospel. It's so good. I mean, you're, you're looking at it. In fact, the, the worse you realize you are, the more you love it. it they, 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 and people get so confused because they, what, what do they do a lot of times? When you're trying to talk about it, they're like, oh, you just think you're better than me. And you're like, uh, that's not, you're not listening to me at all because I clearly am not a good person. This is not about that. This is about something else. Jesus, it's so good. It's so good. It's like when you go and you get a good piece of cake and you like taste it. Oh, man, it's so good. And you're trying to tell the people how good it is. And they're like, oh, no, I don't know. And you're like, no, you don't understand this cake. That's how we are. So let me introduce you to what one commentator described it as the parable of the brats. Okay? Parable of the brats. Jesus is going to quote a nursery rhyme that would have been known to the people of his day. Listen to what he says. To what then? Because some, God is just, and some said, I don't want that purpose of God for myself. If the purpose of God means I have to Throw in with you lot. Forget it. They reject the purpose of God. But Jesus said, what then shall I compare the people of this generation? And what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. Now just picture these kids in the marketplace. They would have seen this playing. I imagine some of them, the girls probably led this game. Like, let's play wedding today. Right? Let's play wedding. And talk to the boys. And they're, they're going through the town. And they, they know what they, these would have been big deals for these little towns, right? Oh, there's a wedding. Everybody wouldn't have gone on. So I can just picture the kids. And they have sticks that they made up to look like the banners or whatever they had. And you could just see them marching through. And I, I still think but most of the girls, some of the boys were like, all right, fine. She is kind of cute. I guess I'll just go along with this. And, but they're singing. Maybe some had a flute. And, they're, and the kids are dancing through the streets. Little mock wedding. Except for that one kid. This is stupid. I'm not doing that. Stupid. Right? But then the next day, maybe the boys got this one going. Maybe they've been playing military. And the hero was just slain in battle. And now they're having the funeral procession for their hero. And they probably, boys, they would try to do this and lift them up on that. And they want kids, you know laying up there, funeral, you know, and they're singing their, the, some well-known funeral song as they march through it, and the parents seem like, oh, you kids, and they, you know, they're marching through, like, oh, and they're singing there, except for that same kid, well, it's stupid, I'm not doing that, and so a little nursery rhyme developed, we played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. What is that saying? We, we're doing this, and you're like, no way. You were doing this, you're like, no way. Brat. <laughs> Unsatisfiable. And Jesus, to make sure the picture is clear, says, For John the Baptist came. He's come eating no bread and drinking no wine. And you go, he's got a demon. It's crazy. The Son of Man has come. He's eating and drinking. And you're like, look at him. 
glutton drunkard, friend of tax collectors and sinners. I always think the tax collectors like, you don't have to say it every time. Just and sinners. Just and sinners. Friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. One commentary I read put it this way, this guy Leon Morris, he said, Those who are really wise, the children of wisdom will pronounce right the right way. Whether it be ascetic, like John, out there, disconnected. He's not he's not a people person. Right? Right? He didn't sit around drinking herbal tea with his buddies. He's like, give me a locust. <laughs> Vipers. Whether you're ascetic or social, Jesus going to the meals and sitting down. With all, you know, if you sat down with a bunch of ruffians before at a meal, you, when, you, when you're the person that's representing something good, they're usually like, blanket, blanket oh, sorry, blanket, oh, sorry. You, ever, <laughs> you know, but they're having a great old time, and I'm like, don't worry about it, you know, it's okay. Don't apologize to me anyway. You get some rough conversation going. Jesus is hanging out with those kind of people. And so this, the brats saw John and were like, demon. Brats saw Jesus and were like, drunkard, glutton. He's friends with everybody. Brats. But those who are wise will see that the wisdom of God in both John and Jesus. And don't you just love it both? You look at what John's doing, you're like, that's good stuff. And you look at what Jesus is doing, you're like, that's good too. But they will not walk, the wise will not walk in critical ways of those who can never be pleased. You know, it's interesting when we think about these situations with these people that we know and that we love and we want them to get to that point. And I want to tell you right now, that is ultimately a work of God. That is ultimately, you cannot present it the right way for those who are spiritually brats, which we all were, let's be honest. At one point, before we came to Christ, we were all a bunch of spiritual brats and wanted to do what we wanted to do and not what God wanted us to do. And we rejected the purpose of God for what we wanted. But all of us know, at some point, when God broke through. And so when we pray, and I look out here, I, I know we got, we got some prodigal sons got some prodigal daughters we're praying for we're praying for we're praying for understand that is a work of god i want to close with a verse i'm going to read this verse and you guys doing a song again i'm going to read this verse and then pray but this verse um so after i'm done reading i start praying then you guys pop up uh oh and we have communion are we doing communion before the singing okay change that i'm going to read this verse we're going to do communion then sing I love this verse because I think it captures um, from Paul's perspective. Um, anybody know when Paul got saved, it was literally a light out of the sky blinded him. And for many of it's really the same thing. But Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, 6 wrote this. And I think it just captures the heart of what we, what we love 
about God's salvation of us and what we hope for God's salvation of others. Okay? Listen to this verse. Paul writes, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. That's creation talk, right? Try to, try to picture that in your head for just a moment. There was nothing. No light. No such thing. And God goes, let there be light. And there was light. And so Paul's thinking back to, I think, imagining, visualizing, something like that. Just keep, try to picture that in your head. If you, can't, if you can't do it very good, close your eyes for a minute and open up, right? Light. Let there be light. The God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has done what? Has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This person, the full revealing of God in the man, Christ. And there was all of us at one point did not have that. And one day God opened our eyes and we just went, Jesus is magnificent. Jesus is great. Jesus is glorious. And we spend the rest of our days crawling towards that, don't we? I just want more of him. I want more of him. More of him. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I want to ask now for a couple things. One, I pray for those in this room who the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ has not yet broken through. Maybe they thought it had, but it, the reality is it hasn't. Lord, I pray for those in this room that need that. I pray that it would break through today like a blinding light into their hearts, that they would see the glory of Christ. Lord, I pray for those. Lord, I pray for those in this room that that has happened. But we struggle in this life, and we forget. Lord, I pray that you'd break anew every morning, that your mercies would be new every day for us, again and again, breaking through with the light of the knowledge of the glory of God found in the face of Jesus Christ. Lord, let us do what we can to, to long for that and grow towards that, but Lord, we trust that you will be the one that brings it to us. Lord, we read your word and we participate in communion. We pray, Lord, we do these things. Lord, in the end, we know it's you that opens our hearts and our minds. Finally, Lord, I want to pray for those that are loved by those in this room whether it be children, sons or daughters, uncles, aunts, cousins, whatever it may be. Lord, there are those in this room that love, desperately love these people. And they long for nothing more than that the light of the knowledge of the glory of God would break through in the face of Christ to those people. Lord, let us pray for them today, together. And cry out, lift up their names as we are thinking about this, Lord, before your throne. Lord, would you break through? Would you break through to them? It's not about the flute music or the dirge. It's not going to be about all the right situations. In the end of the day, we're all a bunch of brats. But you break through to the worst of us. And I just pray that you would do that in all of these